0: I want to start this morning, and I just want to ask by a show of hands, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? Okay, this is not going how I intended it to go. Are y'all too old for um, New Year's resolutions? Y'all done, y'all done, resolved everything you wanted to resolve in your life thus far? Oh, y'all know better. Hey, well, I guess I guess y'all do know better in the fact that as I was reading and studying, that ninety-two percent of New Year's resolutions fail. Right? Like for me personally, I'm a I'm a goal guy. Right? I believe in setting goals. I believe that goals should stretch us, right? That as, as we set goals personally and as a church and as a community of believers, that our goals should stretch us, right? We, we need to set the bar high, but sometimes some of the bars that we set, they, they need to make us stretch. They need to make us kind of like step outside of our comfort zone. Now, there needs to be some goals sometimes that you can reach, amen? But you don't need to be able to reach all of your goals. And I believe that, as you've heard me say time and time again, that a goal without a plan is simply a wish, Right so so often I think the reason that those new year's resolutions fail is because it's just something that somebody thought of they they may have written it down but you know that would be a good thing if they did but they have this they have this aspiration but how are they going to achieve that and so I think this morning as we talk about God's workout plan I just want to share simply a story from my own life and so there was a time one time that uh, I can't remember where it's at in the story. See, I'm starting to get that old now that like things kind of cross and and I can't remember and connect some of the dots. But I do remember this. I think it was a time that I had some, um, had a lot of stress at work in, in life and I was overweight, I like to eat. I mean, you could look at me and tell that. And so I remember going to the doctor and I was um, maybe in my early 30s. Late thir- late twenties, early thirties, and I had to have an EKG. And you know, when you go—I don't know about y'all, but and maybe it's just my doctor. But when you go to the doctor, they always want to talk about you need to lose weight. Anybody else's doctor do that? Right? It's like, come on, doc, I just paid you to tell me. Like, I know that I know my clothes are getting a little tighter. I didn't need to pay you to tell me that. <clears throat> but it was there. At least I remember that one time that it clicked. That that I had to make some changes, and I had to make I had to make them. Um, and one thing I want to remind you as we talk this morning about goals, as we talk about habits, is that you've got to uh, just get started a lot of times, right? That those things, we need to set goals, we need to set those things and, and begin to uh, make progress. Because, for example, like if you were to go, you've been sitting on the couch and, uh, you know, if you're sitting on the couch and you want to go run a 5K, is that you just walk out the door and start running a 5K? no. You have to train for that. I mean, for some of y'all, you might need to go and get a center block and, and do what I've seen on Facebook. You know, you put the center block around, and, and so then you do like this, and you can tell people that you walked around the block. Right? <clears throat> I mean, you did. You walked around the block. You didn't You didn't say which block. <clears throat> but for me, I did. I remember I had to make some lifestyle changes. And, and so for me, one thing I definitely learned is that it, it's, it's those small things done over time. It's a, it's a, it's a shift. It's not just, you know, I'm going to make a couple of quick changes and it's going to fall off fast, but it's a lifestyle change. And so for me, I began to uh, walk, and I would walk around my neighborhood. And I remember one night very distinctly that we had a couple of cul-de-sacs. We lived on a cul-de-sac, and in our direct neighborhood there were three cul-de-sacs. And I remember I was probably in the first or second cul-de-sac after our house, and I remember walking, I remember I was like, ow that hurt. And so I was walking around, and and what I, what happened was I was walking so fast that I slung up a rock, and it got in my shoe. And so as I began to walk, I'd walk, and I'd like do like this. You know, I didn't want to lose my pace, and so I'm just walking around, and as I get somewhere, I'd be like, oh, that kind of hurts. I'd do like this. And so I began, to, I just, I didn't stop and take it out. And here's what I remember that I learned from that lesson that the Lord taught me that night as I was walking. When I got home, I took that rock out of my shoe and I left it on my desk, so I'm glad I took a picture of it. But this is about the size of that rock. So if you could imagine, if I, I mean, this is magnified to be on the screen, but it was not a very big rock. And what the Lord taught me in this moment was this, is that rock is to the soul of my shoe what sin is to our soul. That that rock is to the soul of my shoe what sin is to our souls. Because here's the deal. I didn't stop and take it out and I just kept kind of doing like this and shaking my leg and hoping that it would go over to the side and I wouldn't step on it. I want you to know what, as many times as I did that, I I can't remember which foot it was on, I want to say maybe it was my left, but I had a blister that wound up forming right here on the bottom of my shoe and I want you to know for two weeks I couldn't take a step without thinking back to that night that I had walked. And so the thing that I want to remind you this morning is this, that rock is to our soul as sin is to our soul. It will wear you out and you will feel its pain. That's what sin does in our lives. A lot of times for sin, we'll, we feel the effects of our own sin, but what we forget is that sometimes the sin that we commit is not always we feel the pain, but also what those around us feel the pain of it as well. And so what's the answer? What's the answer? Stop and take it out. Stop and take it out. I want to encourage you take your copy of God's word and turn over the book of Psalms. Turn over the book of Psalms to Psalm 51. And it's there that we see a beautiful psalm about sin. It's here that we see a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after that he had had his affair with Bathsheba. And it's there in the that we see something beautiful. In Psalm 51, 1 and 2, what does David said? He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. I don't have it on the screen, but you have it if you've got your copy of God's Word open or you're in your Bible app. Verse 3, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. I think, friends, we've got to be... What does David say? What, what What do we have to do? We have to stop and take it out, but then we have to pray like David. We have to pray like David. Verse 10 which I lift off of the slide, but that's what we need to pray. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. We need to begin to pray, Lord. Forgive me for where I have sinned in thought, word, and deed. I, I think back this morning on the on the old uh, the hymn "Count Your Blessings." Name them one by one. Friends, I think not only are we to count our blessings, but as Scripture teaches us, we're to confess our sin and name them one by one. We're not just to say, Lord, forgive me of of how I've sinned, but we're to ask Him, Lord. And there are things we know that we've done that we should not do, and we need to ask for forgiveness of that. But we also need to pray like David. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Will you point out those areas in my life that I've sinned and I don't realize? So that I can ask you for forgiveness because just like that rock did to the sole of my foot is what sin does to our souls. And we have to stop and take it out. Sometimes we can take it out. We can walk away from that vice. We can walk away from that place. What did we talk about last week? We talked about that song of I don't, I don't, come, I don't go there anymore. Why? Because I'm a changed man and because my, my priorities have changed. Right in that old Southern Gospel song, I, I don't come here anymore but created me a clean heart. And then look at what David says. He says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The joy of your salvation. Friends, it's a joy to be saved. Amen? Oh, come on now. uh, Hello? It is a joy to be saved. Amen? It is. I mean, tell your face. At first, when I asked that question, yeah, yeah, no, there's joy in salvation. There's joy, as we talked about this morning in teaching theology, that it's not by the works that we're saved. It's not by what we can do and who we are and our pedigree and where we came from, but it's all about Jesus. It's what he's done for us. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and we should never get over being saved. I think sometimes we have. I think we've gotten, I think we've oh yeah, I took care of that a long time ago. But no, how does Jesus need to work in your heart and your life right now? Because I don't know about you, but I need him. As this whole song, I need you every hour. Right, I need him in my life. I need him in the conversations I'm having. I need him when I'm driving down the road. Right? Where did we go recently? I went somewhere with somebody and I said, Well, I guess you're kind of seeing I gotta practice what I have preached, right? I rode with somebody and, and we were going to and from and I was like, Well, I hope I handle myself well, right? Because if you want to know how somebody really is, get in a car with them. Right? And see how they drive. Some of them you'll be thankful you back on solid ground. <clears throat> But I want to ask you this morning, just very simply, what sin needs to be removed from your life? Again, sometimes we can, we, it's, it's our, we can remove those. We can change the channel, or, or we can turn the TV off, or we can stop listening to certain things. But there are going to be other times that we're, we're going to struggle. We're going to have a thorn, like Paul said. And the thing I think that's beautiful about Paul's thorn is we never are told what it is. All of us have a thorn. Sometimes it's people, they're a thorn in your side. Sometimes it's those things that you struggle with that no one else sees. So we need to stop and take it out. We need to pray like David. But here's the thing I want you to understand, that for me, one time in my life, I I began to focus and and to make those gradual changes and and to, to do things better. I learned that For me, personally, it was calories in, calories out, right? I'd never counted a calorie before in a day in my life, and I began to count them, and I began to make smarter decisions. But what happened for me over time was that I lost weight over time, right? Because it was a lifestyle change. And so if I think about that this morning, and I lost like 50 pounds, praise God. Now, I found about 20 more of it back, but I still maintained about 30 off. And so that's just a struggle for me in my life. You know, if my, if my pants start getting a little tighter and my shirt, you know, looks like a button's about to pop off, then maybe I need to cut back on the ice cream that I eat at Chick-fil-A, right? Maybe I don't get it every shift. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to work around waffle fries and not eat them, Amen. I just get my kids to get a large, and then I sneak one or two in that, and then I say, you know, I only get those one or two. Then I didn't really get them myself. But listen, but listen, as I think about that, I want you to see this correlation. While we, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, we only have one body, and it is is degrading and it is falling apart. I know, I'm surprised some of y'all didn't say amen, right? I mean, you wake up with aches and pains that you didn't know that things that could ache and pain, right? But... Those things are of some value, but now let's turn our attention to the New Testament where Paul is speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and as we think about this correlation this morning, we're talking about working out, and, and we're talking about losing weight, we're talking about making these subtle shifts, right? Because listen, I forgot to mention, it's funny, when you rely on the Lord, He'll direct you and everything isn't all written down, but, um, and I lost that thought, <clears throat> Hang on. We were talking about New Year's resolutions. Oh, I mean, the number one resolution that most people make is what? That they want to lose weight. But again, they make that resolution, but they, there's nothing to kind of back that up and, and how am I going to live that out? They have that aspiration. They have that thought. But what there's, that again, that goal without a plan. It's simply a wish. And so as we think about that this morning, let's turn it back and, and let's look at what, what Paul tells young Timothy, what he tells the man that he is investing in. Verse, starting in verse 6, of chapter 4. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance for the, for to this end we toil and strive because we have set our hope our hope is set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who have believed. Let's, let's step back through this really quickly. In verse 6, he says, If you put these things before the brother, what are those things? It's what he's mentioned previously in the, in the other four chapters, or the three, uh, three chapters here in First Timothy, were to put them before the brothers. Why? Because then you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Right, we're to serve. Jesus came to serve, not be served. A lot of times in the world that we live in today, and, and Austin and I, are, we, try to, we try to pray. We stay in God's Word. We're, we're reading books. We're reading articles. And so one of the things that we see a lot of times is that in the church world today, far too often people are coming to church to be served rather than to serve. And friends, I want to tell you this morning of something that I believe is you need to put down the menu, you need to put down the shopping cart, and you need to pick up a shovel. And you need to be about building what God is doing, what God wants to do in this community, in the Bethel Church community. What does God want to do? There's still building that needs to happen. And we're to be about that. We're to be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained. What trained how in the words of faith? So what do we have? We have the word of God. We preach and teach that when we come together and by good doctrine on on Sunday mornings, just like this morning, we've been going through what sharing the question of the week. Why? Because we're teaching you the doctrine of what we believe. So often we have people that attend churches that they don't know what they believe, much less what the church that they attend believes themselves. I ran into a lady one time in Outback, and she began to talk about all these churches, and she rattled off this church and that church and another church, and I said, "My God, what does this woman believe?" Like, I mean, you got several different denominations, and you got several different things, and she's going over here because they got good singing, and and I like this because they got that, and I'm like, "Wait a second, you're just bouncing all over the place, but good doctrine." Do you believe? And listen, not only should we have the words of faith, the word of God, and we have good doctrine, that you have what? Paul says that you have followed. What did we talk about last week? We talked about last week about following Jesus. We're to follow what the Lord says one of these 66 books, you'll find Jesus in them. You'll find them pointing to him and who he says he is. Why? Because he's been with the father since the beginning and he and the father are one. And so I want to encourage you to, to follow Christ, but to follow those things, follow what is being taught. But look at verse seven, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, rather Train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Listen, what I want you to see here is this word that that Paul uses in verse 7 and verse 8. This training, the Greek is gunase, which is basically, the transliteration is Gymnasia. So what does that sound like? Uh, Gymnasia. It sounds like a gymnasium, which where, what do you do when you go to a gymnasium? You work out. See, the thing that we forget is that we have, there has to be a shift in our mindset of how we train and why. We have to be stretched because when you go out to lift weights, here's the thing. I worked out with a group of guys in, in a group called F3, Fitness Fellowship and Faith, and it's a beautiful group, and it was a support group. But here's the thing I thought was interesting. You would have men that could go out and run a 5K or a 10K or a marathon. But when they came out and they worked out with us in the morning, now we didn't do anything. It was peer-led, so none of us were professionals. That's how we start every morning, so nobody could sue anybody. right? We're, it's peer-led. We're not professionals. And you could tell, especially by some of the guys who led. I led from time to time too. But here's the thing I want you to see. Some of those men could come out and they could go run a 5K and a 10K like that. But when when it came to doing squats or doing push-ups or working other parts of their body, they failed miserably. Why? Because they were focused on one area. They were focused on one area. And so here's the thing about working out that I've learned. If you go and look weights, the only way that, that you're going to get stronger is that there has to be exertion and that muscle has to be stretched. In essence, that muscle has to be torn and in order when it comes back and it grows back, it's going to be stronger. And so friends, for us as, as Christians, we need to be stretched. Is it easy to be stretched? No, it's not. But when we're stretched, when we're stretched to our limits and, and it feels, we feel that agony, we feel that pain. Then what? We're we're made stronger. You think about the agony and the pain that Jesus felt as even as we think about you know, lifting weights or whatever in my arms or out of this think about Jesus of what he did. He went to the cross for your sins and for my sins and paid a debt. We're, we're owed. The only thing we're owed in life is death. And you say, Well, Brother Chris, that's not, that's not fair. Well, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus stretched himself out so that all could be made new that all could be made whole in and through him. See, we have to be stretched. And I think about this morning, and as we think about trying to, to live this out, being stretched, you know, I think back to just before the holidays, I want to say it was in October, we had a group's interest meeting over in the Family Life Center. And we just simply invited a few people to say, look, my heartbeat is for groups. And Austin and I kind of worked through this and, and kind of like stretched each other. And some people call them small groups. Some people call them life groups. Some people call them fish groups. Some people call them whatever. It's like, look, we're just going to call them groups. And so we simply met over there in the Family Life Center and we talked about what groups were and what they're to do. And here's what's beautiful about that, that seeds, hold on to that thought, that seeds were planted in October and there was a burden of one young lady, really Samantha. Samantha began to just kind of pray and and just think, and she's like, okay, we need to find a way to get young mothers, mothers with young children, and some of our younger ladies, we need to find a way to get them connected, and she began to share that with Brooke, and Brooke shared that with Kristen, and Kristen shared that with Kendall, and so from there, that was that burden, that was that passion, and it didn't happen instantly, right, that happened in October, and they began to pray and they began to think and they began to walk faithfully with the Lord. And so over time, what happened, this burden was birthed. And out of that, we saw what happened on Thursday night, that these ladies came together. And one of the things that we know is that if we're going to connect with the next generation, we have to do it a little bit differently than we've done it before. Guys, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for attending week in and week out, but the thing that we know, especially about the second service and the younger generation that's coming behind, we have to connect with them when we can. It, that Most people, also, correct me if I'm wrong, if you get them one in, 1.7 times a month, you're doing good, right? 1.7. Some of y'all are here every time the doors are open, but guess what? When was the last time you took a next step in faith towards Jesus and into what he wants you to do in your life? You're checking boxes, you got that religion thing going good, but tell me about your relationship. Now, I'm not I'm not wanting to paint you all with one wide brush stroke, but somebody in here needed to hear that today. That you're, you're focused on religion, you're focused, I show up, well praise God, I give praise God, but how do you serve? How do you love your neighbor? How do you love your fellow brother in Christ? Listen, as I, you've heard me have a rinse and repeat from 1 Thessalonians. You know, we're to admonish the idle, we're to help the weak. And, and, and they could have just left the, this part out, but be patient with them all. I, I don't like that part of the verse. I don't. Because I don't, I don't like to be patient, amen? we got to move, and, and man, why in this brother, why in this sister, why can't they see it? But be patient with them all. All. We're all at different places in our journey. We're all at different um, things that we have going on. And so just be patient with them all. So as we think about training this morning, I think about Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, and I love this because I, things come into my inbox, and they come into my Twitter feed, and, and I just love it. And it's always on time. So this week I got an email from Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor. Uh, he writes, and he loves leadership. He loves investing in the next generation. Listen to what he says. He says successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. It's a shift. It is a shift in how we train and why. We train. In verse 10, back in First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, it says, For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. This morning, friends, I want to ask you, what is your hope set on? What is your hope set on? Grant Hoad talked about this week at Brotherhood that, that his hope is set on Christ. And about building on firm foundations. Go back to this morning as we talked about this rock that I found in my shoe. That rock is to soul, what sin is to our souls. What I love about the Lord in the Holy Spirit is he reminded me, you know, that rock in the grand scheme of this old boy was not very big, was it? It wasn't. It was really tiny compared to me. If I was holding it, you could barely see it. But So what the Lord reminded me of this was this. How many of you remember what we find in Mark's gospel? Mark says, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Matthew says, he said, "Because because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith, like that of the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Here's what I want you to see this morning. This is a grain of mustard seed few years ago, I worked with Sumter United Ministries and, and spent a week with them documenting these young men and women, these youth pastors that were coming together and loving and encouraging our community. And this was a house in Rembert. Every time I ride past this house in Rimbert, I remember being there. And so I thought back, and as I'm thinking about a mustard seed, I had never seen a mustard seed. But when you compare these two, look at the comparison. That sin that was that did that, that, that damage to my soul of my foot, that sin that does damage to our souls, look how much smaller that grain of mustard seed is. He's saying if you'll just have the faith of a mustard seed, that you can move mountains. Friends, I don't know about you this morning, but I want to remind you something I learned from the ladies' Bible study this week as I sat in. That A.W. Tozer says, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. When he's exalted, when he's put in his right place, all of these worries, all of the cares, all of the anxieties that we have, they're, they're solved. There will be things that we struggle with, yes, But when he's put in his right place, and so this morning, I just simply want to remind you what sin needs to be removed from your life. What sin needs to be removed from your life. Maybe you don't know what that is, and maybe you need to begin praying like David and say, Lord, created me a clean heart. Help me to see where I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against my fellow man. For me yesterday morning, I wasn't going to share this story, but yesterday morning as I'm riding the streets of Sumter at about 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.15, I went downtown and I'm looking for things to take pictures of and I began to ride downtown and was going to head to the church and then I remembered I want to go by Swan Lake so I I cut a a U-turn and began to go back up Main Street and there was this alley, there's an alley that goes to what was called the Brody Pavilion where they used to have Sumter at 6 and it was so beautiful. The snow was covering everything. I was going to get out and take a picture, but then all of a sudden my I caught a glimpse of a man who was huddled in the the entryway that was set back off the sidewalk. There was a man there, a homeless man sleeping or trying to keep warm. And you know, for me, I think about I have I have linens in my and blankets in my linen closet that are going unused and collecting dust. And here in a morning where there was the temperatures were in the twenties, what did I do to help my fellow man? I thought about it. You know, but the world we live in today, you don't know. You don't know who people are and and what they'll do to you or whatever. But I thought about him. Because you see, we go home, we're gonna go home tonight and in the and the heat's cranked up and we've got those warm, cozy blankets, and there are people out there that are that are freezing, and they're cold and you know, as my wife and I that's what we do. we have to talk about these things that we see and as my wife and I talked about you know unfortunately, there are people in our community that they live that way because they want to. They have family who live here, but they don't they don't want their help, they don't want their rules they they don't want to go to the homeless shelter because they can't <clears throat> follow the rules. But, friends, we can't just paint them all with that one wide brush stroke. There are other people who are definitely in need. So I, maybe I should have done something. What could I have done? What sin needs to be removed from your life? And then this morning, I just want to simply ask you, just kind of like those ladies, those young women, what area... Of your life, do you feel like that you need to train in? We talked about that analogy. We talked about that deal of of the man going and and running. one of those men I work out with, that they can go and run a five k, but when it comes to sit ups and push ups and burpees and uh, all kinds of stuff, you know, they can't hang. And the thing is, you've got to train and and be and cross train this isn't in my nose, but praise the Lord. Cross train. Maybe we need to begin to just look to the cross and ask the Lord, Lord, what area of my life do I need to surrender to you? What area of my life do I need to work out? What area of my life do I need to be stretched? Friends, do you need to be stretched in your giving? I would say, oh, he's a pastor. Of course he would mention giving. No, it's not about me. It's about God. God's richly blessed us so that we might bless others. Maybe you need to go deeper, as some of us have mentioned, and as we've talked about what we hope God will do this year, maybe you need to go deeper in your prayer life. Maybe you need to go deeper in your service. Maybe you need to go deeper in your study of God's Word. And I, I just want to encourage you, precious saints, if you've always... Now, hear me. Hear me now. Some of y'all are going to tune me out. I know you are. You probably already have. Your buddy going to be nudging you. at a time. Wake up. Time to sing the last hymn. He's done. Um. Listen, precious saints, if you've always read from, let's say, the King James or the New King James, I'd encourage you maybe this year in your quiet time to go find an ESV, an English Standard Version, or a Christian Standard Version Bible, and to read that. Read it alongside of that. What, is, what are maybe you missing because you're familiar with it? Because what we're familiar with, we cease to see. So I'm going to ask you this morning, I don't know what sin needs to be removed from your life. I don't know what area of your life that you need to allow God to begin to work and to move in. But I pray, my prayer is this morning, that you would you would make a note of that in your heart and your mind today. And that you would spend time focusing on that. And so during this last song, we're, we're going to, I'm going to invite Austin up. He's going to come and lead us in that song. I just want you all to remain seated. And if you want to sing, sing. If you want to pray, I'd encourage you to pray. And I'd encourage you to say, okay, God, we hear messages like this. What sin do I need to remove? Or God, what area do I need to go deeper in? And as we've already talked about this morning, maybe he's going to place his finger on an area of your walk, of the spiritual disciplines of being a believer. And so maybe he tells you that you need to go deeper in your prayer life. Well, guess what? What does that look like? I don't know what that looks like for you. You need to talk that out with him. But if Austin and I can help you, we would want to. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pass along a resource or an article that would maybe help you go deeper in your prayer life. That's, that's our goal. That's our heartbeat. And so I encourage you, reach out. You can't get to know somebody that you don't spend time with. I, I can't force a connection on any of y'all. I can only get to know the ones of you that will allow me to get to know you. And I'm thankful as I look around this room of some of the wonderful conversations that I've had this last year of the stories I've heard as you shared your life, as you shared the burdens, as you shared what you hope God does in your family and in your children's lives and your family's lives, what you hope he does here at Bethel. So I invite you now. I'm going to pray, Miss Gooley, a, a play, and Austin to lead us. If you feel like singing, sing. If not, just remain where you are and pray. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you that as we walk through life, Lord, that you just remind us as you reminded me. God, of that simple pebble that made its way into my shoe. Lord, that you reminded me that that's what sin does to our soul. And so, Father, I pray here this morning for that one, Lord, who maybe there is a sin that they need to confess, Lord, to you. Lord, to confess to one another that we can begin to pray for one another, love and encourage one another. But, Father, I also pray for that one this morning that... Lord, as we've talked about spiritual discipline, Lord, that bodily training is of some value, but godliness is, is, is important for this life and the life to come. And so, Father, I pray now in, in just the moments that we have remaining in this time that these folks would do business with you that they would pour out their hearts, Lord, that you would that you would place your finger, that you would give your spirit, that you would give them wisdom to take that next step into a deeper, richer, fuller relationship with you, Lord, that your word says that if we abide in you, that we'll have life and we'll have life abundantly. And so, Father, I pray that we would abide, that we would remain in you. Father, help us to grow in our faith and to live it out as we leave this place. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.